everybody, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today I'm very excited because we are going to be examining the events that unfolded in the Netflix series The Crown Season 2, Episode 5, entitled Marionettes. As always, helping me break down today's episode are my two great co-hosts. First, stay tuned for this guy's Christmas speech. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what passage will you be reading for this year's Christmas speech? Uh, whatever, uh, whatever the biblical verse from Pulp Fiction was. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was even properly attributed, but uh, I'll go ahead and pull from that one. It's a very festive uh, excerpt, I think, so that's a great choice. Uh, also back with us today, a woman whose toffee will straight up break your teeth it's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, what is the secret to a great toffee? Oh my God. So I legit was like making toffee, like probably within the last year. And I had to make my mom like a sugar-free version. <laughs> so I had to use like monk fruit and like Lily's chocolate. It actually turned out better than like my other one because I accidentally bought like organic brown sugar. So basically you have two options. You can make it the proper way with like actual brown sugar or you have to make it with monk fruit. Okay. Well, that's a good pro tip. Um, and it came out great. The, the monk fruit one, yes. <laughs> and did anybody have to go to the dentist? No, luckily. <laughs> well, that sounds like a, a success to me. Um, before you know, we get too deep into the podcast. As always, big disclaimer off the top: if you came here because you're curious um, about, you know, whether Lord Aldringham really had this major impact on, you know, the the monarchy and the royal family, and you want us to provide some clarity on that. You have come to the wrong place because we have no idea. We are just going to assume that everything that we saw on the screen is true. And you know what? They had a sentence at the end. And whenever there's a sentence at the end, that's how you know something really happened. So there was more than one. You're right. I think there were, were there three sentences? Two or three for sure. I would say at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how you know something is true. That's how we know it's true. And so that's purely what we're going to go off of. Um, so to get things kicked off, I believe, Carlin, you have a, a recap of the episode we're going to talk about today? Yes, we do. All right. Well, so um, there was like a dramatic frame narrative here. We got to fast forward to a man getting punched by another man, which, you know, fascinating because <laughs> we had never seen these people before. Like, wow, random man showed up. So we got to start with violence. And basically what happens <laughs> is Elizabeth. She gets sent to the Jaguar factory. I'm not going to say Jaguar. I'm going to forget to do it consistently, but to the Jaguar factory to like do a speech for these like working class men who are just working in the factory. And it's, it's a very off color speech. Like she basically uh, more or less like did a little backhand compliment, like the entire speech to these people. And so what ends up happening is this man named Lord Altringham, he is a monarchist he obviously is from the upper class and he's like you know what though this actually is like highlighting a problem with the crown in general i'm gonna write an article just like saying that like maybe this isn't the greatest and maybe the crown needs to evolve and basically he like has the holy like terror of the crown and all like the super monarchists like rain down upon him for having any sort of criticism and elizabeth kind of goes into a little crisis because she's like oh shit like i don't know like are we taking this as this guy is like totally wrong or is he actually having some good points here and along the way like lord altringham 
Uh, unfortunately, he brought a lot of infamy to himself in a way that apparently he didn't expect to actually happen. So, like, he has to do some PR. He's like, I don't know. Like, am I supposed to go and defend myself? And he goes on TV. And instead of completely bombing, he actually says something. Like, he gets his point across even more better than he had before. And it actually gets him none other than an audience with the queen herself. And he gets to list six things that he would like to change in the way the monarchy goes. And um, he... Maybe he did get the debutante ball taken out, but like that, he just wanted to get rid of the debutante ball. But like basically, the ones they highlighted were the fact that the royal Christmas speech is now televised and the royals now have to meet actual ordinary folks like maybe once a year or so. And it actually made a huge impact on the monarchy seeming more accessible. So good job, Lord Altringham. And then there was also a side plot where Elizabeth got a bad haircut. There was. She was into it. Philip was not. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, this episode was mostly a plot. I feel like it was a pretty linear story, and we pretty much saw the events of um, Altrincham and and Queen Elizabeth. So, I guess let's start off with um, our new character, Lord Altrincham, aka John Grigg. Uh, by the end of the episode, so he comes in. Ivan, what's our impression of of Lord Altrincham? Uh, from what point of the episode, like when all is said and done or at the, or from the onset? Um, let's start with the onset, I guess, because he's clearly a man who has some ambitions, but has not lived up to his own expectations of them. It seems like at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're expected to fully know what to make of Lord, Al- Al- Lord Altrincham uh, at the very beginning of the episode, because it seems like he's there to stir the pot. And, and we don't know what, what his intentions are for that uh, until a little later on. I don't know. I mean, I, I could tell you what my fully formed opinion of him was uh, when all was said and done. Sure. I, I like the guy. I, I think he brought up some good points. And I think he did it in a very, very tactful way. I'm talking about like once he not not like maybe the article itself. I don't know if we really got to. I guess, hear it in full. But when he got to kind of break down some of his arguments on the TV interview, uh, it felt like, whoa, this guy really knows how to how to explain himself clearly and win people over. I I was impressed. I was curious, I guess, um, how the interview would go, because the interview is like we get a little bit of a teaser at the top of the episode. And then obviously, as it goes on, we learn that apparently this guy from Impact, Ronald Day, is like the hardest interviewer there is in the world. The interview was five minutes long, though. <laughs> like there was, like he he wasn't exactly grilling him. He, he in fact, like in a way, just kind of like set him up to state his case, and then as soon as he did, bam, it was over. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just what it was like in like the. It's at the late 50s. I think it's the late 50s. Maybe <laughs> they were just a lot nicer on, back then. Yeah, I think we're coming up on late 57 here because in, in her uh, Christmas speech, Elizabeth was, I think, wishing the citizens a, a good 1958. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I got an overall positive impression of the uh, of the guy. I mean, it seemed like this episode was his hero's journey. Something that I'm a little bit unclear on, I guess, is like, I feel like if someone has a, a the title of Lord, you shouldn't have to take the tube, right? You should at least have an Uber 
like going around. <laughs> you mean like a car service? Yeah, because it's like, 1957. Yeah, well, you know, like the 1950s equivalent of an Uber. Like I don't know. It just feels like you're. You mean you're, a taxi cab? You're so fancy <laughs> to be just going around on the tube. I don't know. Maybe that's just a misconception. Sam, I have. Sam, you you mean you're trying you're trying to say taxi cab here? Yes, I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think with him there were probably. He seems like the kind of guy who like. <laughs> It really wants to downplay the fact that his family has money. I mean, the other problem is, like, I think with these lordships, is lord that high of a title? Like, in the scheme of, like, a baron, a duke. Well, no, in, like, the hierarchy, I feel like it's, but it's a title. Like, I feel like it's a title, I think you could just kind of get titles in England. I don't know for sure, but it seems like there's so many people who are like, (laughs) yeah, I, I come from the aristocracy, and they don't have a fancy house. So where'd the fancy house go, guys? Maybe they sold their fancy house a while ago. So now he has to take the tube. Well, I, I think there is a fairly finite number of members of the House of Lords. But like what his official like responsibilities are, like that come with that title, I'm I'm a little unclear. Cause it seems like he it seems like for him it's just ceremonial at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working for Lord Altringham, we have another Game of Thrones uh, alumna. Yes. Yara. Yara okay. Greyjoy. It took me, I was like staring at her face and I'm like, I know your character. I can like name three scenes you were in, but I couldn't remember her name for the life of me. <laughs> you never saw her smile on Game of Thrones. That's the thing. Like she always had um, a very she like. smiled when she was having her like lesbian, um, like frat boy moments. There were some smiles. You weren't paying attention. Okay, so so like four seasons after she's introduced, she feels a little bit of joy in that show. But I think you don't ever see her looking like consistently jovial like she did in this episode. It's true. It, it's so interesting the way emotion can affect face like that because I, I kind of also want, like Amelia Clark is like, she has such a sunny disposition, like you don't really see it in Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, no, Game of Thrones, <laughs> it changes the actors. Um, but in this show, her name is Patricia and... Patricia, she comes in, she's like the toffee-bearing uh, employee who's there to just distract all the employees when they're having a meeting. Um, but the energy between her and Lord Altringham, I thought was wild. Oh, yeah, no, she um, <laughs> she has a big old crush. It's like, I mean, it was kind of enduring. Endearing, not enduring. So let's, let's actually start there. So uh, at the very end of the episode, when we're uh, given the montage of Elizabeth delivering her uh, Christmas speech... We see uh, uh, Yara and Lord Altringham watching it together on Christmas morning. So are we to presume that at this point they are together and and kind of cohabitating? Okay, that's what I thought. Because legit, I was like, did I miss a point where like they were actually like together? Because I was like, is he is she his wife? I don't think so. Or they're just like really good friends. But like I they should have established that. That would have been a nice little plot for her to have like a. Well, here's the thing. I've never had just a friend accompany me to the dentist's office. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's a step in a relationship where, you know, to accompany someone else to uh, a dentist's office, you really must care about that person. <laughs> Have you ever had a friend watch the Christmas speech with you on Christmas morning? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of like what the modern day equivalent of the Christmas speech is. Is it like the Thanksgiving Day Parade? <laughs> I was just about to say the Macy's Day Parade. Um, I think, okay, so my take on that is either he is such a lonely man that like he would just need his employee to come with him. And that's like a very specific piece of characterization versus um they got together. 
And I don't know which. What do you what do you what do you think of his social skills? Wait, well, well hold, hold on. What what was her job though? Was like she a was secretary? she See, I think she's just a type Yeah, she just types like everybody it seems like everybody handwrites their articles and then she types them up. That's her job. But was there some kind of like personal assistant or admin dynamic going on there cuz if she is sort of a right-hand woman to him in a professional capacity, it would kind of make sense that she would uh, accompany him because maybe she's just chauffeuring him around between multiple appointments because she was also driving, right? <laughs> she did drive in it. But yeah, it was so that he could handwrite his thoughts. Right. Okay. So that kind of checks out. But it doesn't explain how how that brings us to them watching the, the Christmas speech together. I'm going to assume they get married. Let's have them have a happy ending. Yeah, I think I'm going to say that they're, if not married, at least like together by the end of the episode. Or... Or, and I mean, maybe I'm just being too much of a naysayer here. Maybe they're watching the speech together in a professional capacity because it is kind of tied to what was going on with him on an official level in the episode. Maybe he was ready to potentially write a reactive piece to that speech and he needed her there to start typing. I feel like that move only works if he had written another scathing review of the Christmas <laughs> speech. Can you believe the ire that he would draw from the from <laughs> the institution? But if he had if he had specifically criticized her appearance at that point, or just like this didn't work, <laughs> this doesn't work for me. Like this was your idea. Go, go back to the radio. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been hilarious. So. Everybody has like a different reaction to kind of like this. Everybody in the royal family, I mean, has like a different reaction to the events kind of unfolding. I think um, Elizabeth is a little bit taken aback by what happens and she's still a little bit hesitant to, to make some of these changes. But I thought the most interesting reaction of everybody was Queen Mother because Queen Mother is so distraught at the changes that are being made and how everything is slipping away. And it's just the beginning of anarchy. I thought it was hilarious. No, Queen Mother. I, she's so funny. This is like a continuation <laughs> of when she was really sad and she went to Scotland when she thought she was useless. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's just having a really bad time. Oh my God. I yeah. mean, I, I think this is for her like the late stage of the internalizing of the institution that she has now kind of come up in because you know if we were to go back and look at the you know helena bonham carter uh elizabeth from king's speech she she was not as protective and sacred of all of these like royal institutions and and this sense of like dignity that that had to be assumed around uh, the crown this version of her was you know just full-on like Nothing about this should change. Like, this is the way things should be. Um, and, you know, I, I will not have it with any of these naysayers. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, you know, maybe when, like, Birdie was alive, there was chances to, like, make changes because it's still, like, within the comfort of his reign. But once he died, then she had to suddenly, like, covet and, like, not covet, but, like, really keep everything the way it was to preserve him. I'm just going to throw that out there. She's just, she needs therapy Um, and no one's getting it here. You know, th there's there's a lot of things about these people that like, you know, we have to be careful because we don't know, you know, what it's like to walk a mile in their shoes and we don't know what it's like to live this life. But I feel like we can and should be openly critical of the Queen Mother's like reaction to having to meet, quote unquote, like ordinary people. <laughs> no, that was funny. But, like, <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> and, and by the way, like those so-called ordinary people, it seemed like like it seemed like they were 
carefully vetted like let, let's oh, put it oh, oh yeah the, no, these were these were like successful you know business owners you know slightly like you know respected members of the community like elizabeth is not meeting with twitch streamers <laughs> i know and they all come in like wearing like full suits like they're there to be presentable they're not coming in in like jeans and a tank top you yeah, know there's a <laughs> there's no teddy boys here <laughs> no a, that would be relevant um, i just thought that the very first scene when Michael Adine comes in and he's like, Lord Altrincham has been struck. And the Queen Mother is like, well, that person is a national hero. I was just like, oh, it's going to be a wild ride for Queen Mother today. He like had died. Oh, oh, oh Sam, I'm, I'm glad you you brought up the private secretaries because I feel like there's a lot to be said about them. My goodness. There okay, so is. for starters, like Tommy Lassels just needs to get the fuck off our screen. Like... <laughs> He, he is. I feel like I used to like retired. Tommy. <laughs> You're like anti-Tommy. I used to like him, but he is now that guy who like graduated high school and then like, you know, three weeks into the following year comes back and like hangs out because he's like, hey, I want to see my old friends again. Like I, he, uh, it, it's, <laughs> he's, he's overstaying his welcome. Ivan, is, is Tommy um like a 1950s Brett Favre? Uh, I Oh, in the sense that he just like never really like goes away. He's always like yeah, he retires, but he's, he comes back again, and then he retires again, and then he comes capacity. back again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I I don't know the full backstory of Brett Favre. Like, did he actually like put on a jersey again and play, or is he just like slithering his way into like commentator positions and things? Oh like no, that? he def he definitely put a jersey on and played again. Oh okay, yeah. Well, Tommy isn't doing anything nearly as useful. Like he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's not putting on a jersey. He's just standing in the sidelines and like being kind of a backseat driver to the person who is now supposed to be the the head coach. That's true. But the real screw up in this episode is Michael Adine. Is Michael done anything good? <laughs> I feel like every I mean, episode yeah. it's Michael doing something well, bad. Well, 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 no, hold on, hold on. It is both of them because like that scene where Martin came in with having read the draft of the speech and he had gone like, yeah, this isn't quite right. He, you know, goes in to confront uh, Michael Adine about it. Tommy is there in the office. And Tommy even, like, looks over the speech. And, like, I mean, if, if we can say that, like, this was Michael's mistake for letting that speech, uh, uh, you know, go through, then, like, Tommy is every, every bit as much at fault because oh, yeah. he was an additional gatekeeper and he just looked at it and said, like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, th this is up to snuff. This, this can go. I just, I cannot believe that it was... That many people combined with like Elizabeth and like no, no one, no one was like, oh, maybe this isn't the way to say it. Like just well, no, no one, one person and no one person objects in the room. This young guy who we've never seen before. And Michael Adine just looks at him and he's like, no. <laughs> Man, do these people not have like a cousin who works in like a factory? Like they don't know anyone. I'm yeah, I, I'm so flabbergasted because like, again, uh, like it's really hard for us sometimes to pass judgment on these people because we weren't there. We weren't in the room. We, we didn't see what happened. But and maybe it's dangerous of me to assume that this speech like existed verbatim exactly as it was presented here in the show. But let's assume it did. Like who in their right mind, like just approved it like it's so incredibly tone deaf. Like I, I feel like I, I I'm fully within my rights to pass judgment on, on these people's intellect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of scandals yeah, over the, the years. 
Yeah, the the lines here were so <laughs> they're so bad. She's like, "We understand that many of your lives are dreary and uneventful, but because you endure your dull, boring work, <laughs> the community can thrive." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no appreciation for a jaguar. Okay, so that actually brings up another question. Is Elizabeth faultless here? Because I think she no. got a little upset after the fact. Like, it's like, how do, like, why did you approve this speech? Because obviously she didn't, like, screen it ahead of time. She, yeah. she was just handed a piece of paper that she read aloud. But, like, is she also at fault here? Because it, it seems like, I don't know, like, I'm throwing it over to you too. I mean, to be honest, yeah, I think she, I, it's like one of those things where, like, I get where she would have gotten the blind trust from, but like, girl, no, <laughs> please look over your speeches before they happen. Yeah, no, I agree. Read over anything that you're going to be saying out loud beforehand. It, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm surprised she got this far without this happening before. I she mean, just doesn't read speeches. Have, we've seen some unflattering speeches from her before. Um, and I mean, she got like the, the Africa speech. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, she said some really strange things. Well, I just want to know if she actually, like, believed, like, if she had just read this without getting any of the context from, like, anyone's response, if she would have actually thought it was bad or not. Like, that's what I never got clear from this episode that I thought would have been interesting to know. Would it have been extremely unbecoming of her as, as the monarch to issue, like, an apology for that speech, for her tone? Like, it, um, it seems tap. like that... A no-tap apology <laughs> for... <laughs> I huh. I think it's not a royal look. You never apologize yeah. as yeah. the monarchy. You're never wrong. Yeah. Now you're leaving me to wonder if they've ever apologized for anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they said that, right? They were like, you know, the audience can criticize you, but you, like your subjects can criticize you, but you can't criticize your subjects. Yeah, I guess. Otherwise you have um revolution. It's, uh, by the way, another point. I don't understand what's going on in the UK. Like what? What is the current political climate? Not not now, like in the show. In 1957. I didn't understand like what, like, is there a revolution brewing? Like, you know, sometimes they don't let us get the context and you're just like. Well, I think that's the point, right? Like we never know what the regular people are thinking. We just get like the higher ups perspective of what they might be thinking. Unreliable narrator yeah. here. I mean, th so this show has now covered I guess since Elizabeth kind of, uh, uh, you know, ascended to the throne, maybe like anywhere from like five to seven years worth of uh, her her reign so far. And it seems like in that time, like every single like political dis situation can be like described as like things are not well. The people are unhappy. <laughs> it always seems to be for like slightly different reasons in, in each episode. But I think the general sense that we're supposed to get is like, you know, this is a post-war Britain. The The country's kind of in shambles. They're trying to rebuild themselves. Um, but yeah, everything's gone to shit. And, and the, the symptoms kind of look different on a week-to-week -week basis. So after the speech, and I feel like during the speech, we also, we haven't talked about Philip yet, but Philip is around. And during the speech, I feel like he's the one who's like, is this bad? <laughs> like you can see on his face, he's like, is this not great. <laughs> I think the funniest thing is like, I think the show in general does it. They try to paint Philip as like an outsider who kind of has like not a foot in the real world, but like a toe in the real world. And so like he picks up on like <laughs> tone deaf things a lot faster than everyone else. And I always wonder like, did he really? Oh, Philip. No, he was a delight in this episode. He was so funny. It, like he's, I guess I like that he's not mad anymore. He's actually like, who would have known that he's actually, I enjoy having him on the screen. But he's not complaining. 
what well, well, when it's not about him, it's like you know he has a you know an enjoyable role to play in things like like even just his little conversation with Margaret, um, which was like a very nice and funny moment. But as soon as like the attention is shifted on him and it's about what he wants and what he thinks he needs, that that that's what it all falls apart for him. Yeah, so hopefully Philip doesn't have any um, wants or needs for the next um, <laughs> several seasons. I don't know. I don't know. All right, so I feel like we got bits and pieces, Ivan, as you said, or maybe it was Carlin, you who said, like, of um, Lord Altrincham's speech. Like, we don't really get the full article, um, but we get some parts. And so what is his biggest complaint? Is it just that she can't improv? <laughs> that she doesn't ask to improv. She doesn't ask to yeah, improv. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, like, yeah, up until the point where we get his very specific set of demands at the end of the episode, it 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 seems like his request is a little bit more vague. Like, I mean, what we, I mean, I feel like above all, he's just kind of asking her to not be as tone deaf and just kind of modernize a little bit. I love the scene where he's there with Patricia. Um, they're working late, and he's like, "I've had the most heretical thought." <laughs> let me write it down oh and it's my just God. like <laughs> the heretical thought is you can't speak off the cuff <laughs> you need to read off of a script no definitely like the tone difference i think it was probably supposed to be some indication of like he was kind of icarusing this and like going a little too close to the sun and so i do wonder if he actually had more <laughs> radical thoughts but he had to tone them down the moment he realized that like people were going to violently react to what he was saying but I, I mean, know. but he was smart about it, like yeah. in preparation for his meeting with uh, Martin, like he knew he had to like present some tangible and, and kind of forward moving, but also very realistic requests. Yeah. Well, he that was a Patricia prepared. idea. Patricia. Oh, yeah. Big. Patricia for um, prime minister, I guess. I can't <laughs> say for president. Yeah. One weird thing, not one weird thing, one funny line that I, I uh, found amusing in the episode was... Michael Dean is like basically chasing Queen Elizabeth and her mother like all over Scotland basically as bad news comes in and at one point he's like there's going to be quite a critical article and so Elizabeth is like oh no mother do you think that part of the article is like do you agree with any of it and the queen mother is like no people are just doing this because it's August the worst month <laughs> <laughs> she's not totally wrong <laughs> It's August, the worst month. <laughs> I agree with that. I think August is the worst month. My Why? birthday is in August. So, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's too it hot. It is a pretty bad month, though. Yeah. And like the joy of summer has worn off, but it's not fall where like the weather changes. Granted, like the weather doesn't really change um, in LA, but whatever. And that's when kids get sad because they have to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants sad children walking around? <laughs> It's just, I don't know. The vibes are off in August. Although what's the, what's the, is it Leo season? No, is it Virgo season? What season? It's is it? Leo um, season, Carlin. I like Leos though, so I don't know how that works. You know, I guess good manifests from bad vibes. Wait, did you guys, did you guys go to schools that started back up again in August or September? Um, It got to be September, like pretty early on in my schooling career. It was for like in the really early times it was. Massachusetts was basically always September, like the first weekend after, or the fir the week after Labor Day. What? That's so nice. Right. Yeah, we had to start in August. Well, yeah, but then we wouldn't end school until like well into June. But like we also ended school like mid-June. So... <laughs> Yeah, so you I was on what? the same system, and I, I was always like, I always thought it was crazy, like the idea of starting in August when it's still like swelteringly hot, and 
Oh yeah. That'd be awful. It was awful. I can confirm it was awful. Um, I really think school systems should stick to the after Labor Day thing. It's just a clean cut, but they don't do it. And I had to suffer. <laughs> All right. So I thought that the scene at the studio was also very interesting because they didn't bring, it didn't look like they brought Lord Altringham to like a green room or anything to get ready. He walks in and they're like straight to the studio. We're going right now. That's what they do for the men. They don't need to wear makeup. They're just ready to go. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. no they, they put them in makeup. They even said oh. Did they? Well then. Yeah, they All said right. like a quick quick round of makeup and then we're we're live in ten. Live in ten <laughs> yeah, live in ten. <laughs> I don't know, no chance to get hyped up. But yeah, he does very well, as we've mentioned at um at the the interview, and I think that the the institution, I guess being Tommy and Michael in this case, had just been like kind of hoping that he would fail. And when he doesn't Things go from bad to worse. And you know this because even the Daily Mail now <laughs> agrees. <laughs> well, well like Alderman. not only that, but, but you know, we, uh, we revisit, revisit the initial kind of cold open of the episode, which was a flash forward where it shows him leaving the television studio and then getting punched by a man that we quickly learn is like part of a like far like right-wing extremist movement and <laughs> yeah that is the kind of like support that like michael and dean in the crown do not necessarily want as the only person in their corner at the moment no it would be a real bad look for sure oh my god that was that was funny that <laughs> just seeing elizabeth being like oh dear <laughs> um speaking of elizabeth she goes hunting in this episode. Is this the first time we've seen her go hunting? Yeah, and I hate it. I, <laughs> I don't want to watch a poor deer die for no reason. Can we really call what she's doing hunting? Like, it seems like her, <laughs> the guy that she has with her is kind of like doing all the setup. And then as soon as everything is kind of ready to go, he's like, all right, aim and pull the trigger your highness well it does seem like it's a pretty stationary target until she gets the gun and the deer is like running away right so she had to like you know pivot the pistol you know a couple of degrees but in terms of getting everything locked and loaded and ready to fire it seemed like it seemed like she was just there for the photo finish that that's all i'm saying oh for sure she definitely was oh yeah honestly i wouldn't be surprised if they like captured deer um they were just like out in the wilderness and then like release them into like generally the grounds of Balmoral <laughs> playing on easy mode. Yeah. It, 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 it's a ghost written book. Let's see. What else do we get in this episode? Um, we get her haircut, which we, like, get, we haven't talked about the haircut. So important. I cannot believe that she has a male hairdresser. I like, I don't know. I guess this is the fifties and like the crown and the institution, like they really love men, but I, that just seems like something that'd be so gendered at the time that like they would have a woman doing it and they didn't. And then she got that haircut. I guess, but I feel, didn't at the end, Margaret's, Margaret's hairdresser, I think is also a man. I don't know. Like that just seems so interesting to me. And like, cause I'm sure if you looked at whoever does the beauty now, like it's going to be like a hundred percent women. So I'm just curious about when that actually like the turn to like, I don't know, people who pay attention to style entered the building and i might know the answer to that it might be diana but like if it's if we have to wait until diana for someone to get some fashion in here oh sad times philip you're going to be upset for a long time yeah and philip is <laughs> he doesn't like mince his words at all or <laughs> <laughs> 
He goes real hard on the haircut. Look, he knows he's not getting a divorce. So, <laughs> Oh, no, that was so savage. <laughs> he did not hold back at all. It was hilarious. I couldn't decide how bad the haircut actually was. Like, it was bad, but, like, it could have been okay. I don't know. She just, she missed I mean, it the was, mark. It was a... It was a dignified look. I think like the problem was it like it just aged her up and she didn't have like the same youthful energy that she was just barely holding on to at that point. <laughs> That's how they um do the like artificial aging of Claire Foy. Because I don't it doesn't seem like they have her in like aging makeup or anything. So it's like I said, it's very unclear about what age Elizabeth is. Yeah, I mean, again, like it, it, the show has not actually spanned that many years quite yet. I think when we were first introduced to Elizabeth, when it was still like the mid to late 40s, like between then and now, it's only been 10 years. So, yeah, playing around with her hairstyle is about the only thing they really need to have done at this point. Oh, do we want to um, quickly talk about uh, Charles and Anne? I didn't have that much. I mean, they're playing outside the window. <laughs> Where is that? Is is that the first time we are like introduced to like this slightly aged up version of of the two of them? I think so. I think so too. Yeah, and and we'll probably never see them again. <laughs> oh, Charles and Anne. I mean, it is just another instance of Queen Elizabeth just watching her children through the window. She never actually interacts with them. <laughs> right, but she thought. she brought them along, which was nice. She did bring them along. <laughs> They weren't in the car with them, though, so I guess they were in their own car. I just can't imagine. Like, you're like, I have kids, but they can't <laughs> even be in the same car as me. Oh, my God. And then she wants more of them. Like, if she has a baby, like, is she going to bring them around? Or are they just also going to get, like, thrown into the Charles Ann bucket? I don't know. And also, if she doesn't, can you imagine how terrible that would make Charles and Ann feel? <laughs> All right, so did we go through the full list of recommendations from Lord Altrincham yet? No, I don't think we have. So he has a long list, but it was really a list for Martin. So because he has an audience actually with the Queen in secret, because he had been told that he was going to be meeting with Martin and then the Queen just kind of hijacked the meeting, um, he's going to make it a more concise list. He has six recommendations, three things to stop and three things to start. Uh, so no more debutantes ball. We mentioned that allow more divorced people to move about freely in royal circles and then get rid of an entire generation of advisors and then start opening up uh, per both personally and uh, with like the regular people and then televise the Christmas speech. And so those are the six recommendations. Yeah. Uh, see, here's wait, wait, the problem. Wait, that, we... wait, wait was, the, was the open up one like two recommendations rolled in one? It was like, be more personable and meet with uh, more normal people. Yes, those were two different recommendations. Mm -hmm. But like, here's okay. the thing with the debutantes ball. Like, have we ever seen a debutantes ball on the show? I didn't even know they were doing that. The I... only reason I know what that was all about is because it was depicted in one of Downton Abbey's Christmas specials. Okay. It was, it was like the first was the time Christmas the royal- speech also in the Christmas special? Well, no, because this would have, well, I mean, at least, no, 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 because remember, um, the Christmas speech was like a tradition that had only been started sometime around the mid-30s, and I think Downton, at least that part of Downton, predated that, but it was the, like, what would have been the Michael Gambon King, um, mm -hmm. and it was the Lily James character in Downton Abbey that was being, like, presented to, to him um, and, and the Queen at the time, and... 
it was only because of that that I that I even understand what this debutante's ball is. Okay, I, I get why we're against it, but like that also sounds kind of cool. <laughs> you like just turned <laughs> sixteen, and if you're rich enough, you just get to meet. Like if I just got to meet the president just because I was rich, like that'd be kind of cool. I don't know. But if you could not meet him because you weren't rich, would it ruin your self esteem? <laughs> I mean, this I guess. I mean, I'd be like, oh, you didn't have a choice. But yeah, yeah no, sorry. Bye, debutante ball. I guess it's just gonna be a surprise I now. Guess- I wish we had like, yeah, I wish we had actually seen a debutante's ball on the crown before we were told that it's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So um, take note. I love the queen's reaction to this recommendation. (laughs) It was just like silent for like five seconds. And then she was like, next. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so good. So, yeah, after this list of recommendations, Lord Altringham waits in the hall and then Martin goes in and he's like, Lord Altrincham, you can come back in now. And the queen has disappeared. Magic. <laughs> I really want to know if she got out. Because <laughs> it didn't look like there was Through another the door. <laughs> oh, man. Please. Please. I mean, that, that was a bit silly, right? Like, like there was no need to like <laughs> sneak her out. Like, she could have just as easily, like left the room as Martin was coming in and then Martin could have sat down and said, okay, so that meeting never happened. Like, I don't know why they felt the need to do that little, that little, what do you want to call it? Heist? Theatric? No, it's, it's some fun theatrics. Someone in there was like a theater major and like, they just, (laughs) this was their chance. And maybe it was someone who was old, who's now going to lose their job. No, you know who was the theater major? That like young guy who took objection to the speech. (laughs) He's the one who's like, you know what? This needs show magic. What is it like the the job on like Arrested Development type magic? The up close and personal. Oh yeah, what is that close up magic? Yeah, we need more close up magic. Don't worry. Next episode, we're gonna see Queen Elizabeth's quick change routine. Please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and so we got the Christmas speech. Uh, Queen Elizabeth can't believe it. She feels like an actress. How terrible! Does she not feel like an actress at all times? (laughs) No, she's dignified. Excuse me. <laughs> she doesn't dress she's up and pretend actress. to like people all the time. <laughs> and, and like, are, are we to, are we to also to believe that she has never been like doused in heavy makeup before? That seems like something that would just kind of come with the territory, right? Has she not had to be on TV before this? I I guess I'm just so used to. What her, about the like, coronation? Being... Yeah, she yeah. definitely was for the coronation. All right, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. I liked. I feel like Philip needed more of a reaction though, because like as the man who enjoys putting his wife on camera all the time, like should he not be like this? I can't believe I didn't think of this. Like, come on, man, he could have yeah. done this, but he didn't. Um, but it goes off pretty well. I think it it at least in this uh, cut of it. I've never actually seen the real Christmas speech, but this Christmas speech seems like it, you know, went off pretty pretty smoothly. I don't know why it wouldn't. Like, okay, you're reading off a teleprompter and you just have to, like, she gets dressed. She looks nice. She uh, does her thing and that's it. I guess they were just well, afraid like, remember, of TV. Remember in the King's speech, like how, like how mad the Michael Gambon King was that he even had to do that speech on radio. Like he yeah. already thought that that like signaled the end of the, the, the mystique <laughs> of the Royal family, like having to like, you know, be more present and more transparent, like even over radio, he, he thought that those walls were already crumbling. Mm-hmm. I mean, just wait until uh, George has to do it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George. All right. And then what else have we not talked about yet? Okay. 
<laughs> this is random. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, we get a, a scene where there's a guy fixing all the clocks, and then they all go off at the same time, which I didn't realize until I watched this episode, but that's my nightmare. <laughs> Just like 30 clocks going off at the same time. Oh my God. I hate that. <laughs> we did get like a weird tidbit that was going off the last episode. Like we learned that Margaret's still seeing Tony and that was just kind of like thrown in at the end. Oh, she's doing more than just seeing him. Well, yeah, yeah, but like I feel like there was a step missing there where she clearly went back and slept with him. But like we don't get to see that. Yeah. Can I just say again, the energy between Margaret and um, Philip is always weird to me. <laughs> like he comes in and he's almost hitting on her. But it was very strange. Yeah, no, I agree. That was strange. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally get what you're picking up on, and it, yeah, it's this like sense of like we're the fun ones in the family. Like I feel like we we get each other, and uh, you know, yeah, maybe we should bang sometime. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, but now she has yeah. her she has her new bow. So sorry, yeah. Philip. She's got Tony, and Tony knows all the hairdressers in town. Yeah, which honestly, that's like ideal in a man. <laughs> Someone who can help you be your better self. Like, wow. Carlin, I have a question specifically for you. Okay, cool. Let's go. Imagine you're meeting the queen. Yeah. Claire Foy or like the actual queen? Either. And well, so that's different. <laughs> no, sure. The actual queen. Okay. And you're trying to stay as dignified as possible. Yeah. And then her three dogs run into the room. Yeah. How are you not going to pet the dogs? I... <laughs> It would be so hard. I think it would be based like exclusively on like ice cold fear of what would happen if I touched a dog. But like if there was, if someone in there was like, you can touch the dogs, like I would 100% would go for the dogs. And like, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, like I'm never going to see these dogs again. Yeah. <laughs> this is really special. <laughs> no, for real. I don't know how they were distracted by that. And like, I think it was like a power move on the crown's part to like let the dogs in because they oh, like yeah. you had to have everyone on their best behavior so they like, couldn't <laughs> react to the dogs. So I think overall, I was a fan of this episode. I thought it was fun. Anytime you start an episode with violence, it's it's going to be a great episode. <laughs> I keep waiting for like, you know how in most like premium cable dramas that are like historical, there's always. There's usually like a battle or like some really <laughs> bloody scene. But like, I don't think that happens in like the, you know, actual crown. So it's just like, what would they do? If like you got like a, you know, D&D type director. Yeah. Like, uh, what would they do? I don't know. There's no violence. I don't think, um, does the queen ever like cut herself shaving? I don't know. Does she cut herself shaving? There's no place there'd be what? no blood shots. Like there'd be nowhere where you would have like a place to put like gratuitous violence. Does the queen need to shave? Do we ever see her legs? No, we don't. <laughs> the details that we need. Shall we cut to our favorite segment, the Kinky Crown Award? Carlin, did you notice anything particularly kinky in this episode? I was so bad. I feel like, um, like I thought that Elizabeth's like towel and hair shots during her haircut were weirdly kinky and sexual. I don't know why. <laughs> I just got that vibe. Um, mm. Tony and the hairdresser. I think that's kind of kinky for the times. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there was just a lot of lines that, like, were really general, so you could interpret them as kinky, but, like, I don't know. What do you guys have? We'll see if I have something better. I I'm going to go ahead and say Philip and Margaret, full stop. Okay. Philip and Margaret. Okay, th this is what I had. I had um, pretty much everything with Patricia and Altrium. Okay. Um, Queen Elizabeth getting a haircut, which, Carlin, you just mentioned, um, especially the slow motion shots. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, a slow motion haircut. 
Um, oh, at the Jaguar factory, Philip says, I've always been interested in red leather. Oh my God, that's actually <laughs> really good. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. And then Liz going hunting alone with her manservants. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think there's something going, there could be something going on there. Mm-hmm. I, I think last week's episode just had so much sexual energy it did. to it that like there, there was very little left over for, for this one. It was like, especially not sexy. I don't know. Like sometimes Elizabeth has her moments, but like she was, <laughs> she was so not sexy in this episode. How dare they do that to Claire Foy? I mean, we could say Philip listing other women he finds attractive. Okay, I was going to say like when it was like, go look up these women. There's always that funny implication you can put on that, like yeah. that I put on that. I, I'll go ahead and vote for uh, Sam's uh, uh, nomination of the red leather. Yeah, I like the red leather. I like. Yeah, I think red leather. It's it just in the moment. It's like, oh, that's a good one. Nice, love it. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, Ivan, did we miss anything? Or are we good here talking about uh, marionettes? I think we're good on marionettes. Full Who is the ahead. marionette? Oh, um, good question. Because the show never explicitly states. Th- th- I mean, does the word marionette ever even get used in this episode? Yeah, Queen Mother says it. Oh, she, does she? I hadn't uh, even yeah, noticed it. Yeah, she does. She say it? Toward the end, yeah. I mean, I think they were like walking. It might have been right before they had to meet the real, like the regular people. They were like, they were like doing gloves on and then. Yeah. It might have been around then. Yeah, I guess oh. it's weird because like, I, I mean, I, the, the obvious like assumption would be Elizabeth herself, but it didn't. Like, I didn't get the sense that she was being, like, used or manipulated in this episode in any way. Like, she kind of took ownership of everything that she said and did. I don't know. I guess sometimes she chooses to be a marionette because it's easier that way. I don't know. Maybe maybe Tony's the marionette. Tony. <laughs> oh, Tony. We'll see what happens to him. Oh, man. Um. All right. Cool. Well, in that case, I think that brings us to a close here. Uh, Ivan, if people want to find you on the social media platforms, where can they do that? Probably in a number of uh, failed publications from Britain in the 1950s. Are you in a Daily Mail publication? Oh, no, not Daily Mail. That's too big time <laughs> for me. Uh, Carlin, what about you? Where can people find you on the social media? Um, Twitter, at Carlin Greenwald, and Instagram, at Carlin underscore G-E-E. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to uh, find all the latest information about the podcast is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. Next week, we will be back talking about The Crown, Season 2, Episode 6, uh, Vergangen Heights, a secret World War II document opens Elizabeth's eyes to grim realities about a family member, semicolon, the Duke of Windsor campaigns to re-enter public life. So whoa, I'm yeah, looking forward to that. That's, that's where our violence will come in. Duke of, that's, <laughs> yeah. So excited to talk about that next week. Um, in the meantime, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. And God save the queen. God save, God save the queen. The queen. <laughs>